This podcast is proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry. Hi, I'm Gordon Muller. I'm the guru in the Doc and Guru podcast. Thanks for being with us. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent over 40 years in the media industry in South Africa and uh, pretty much made it my home, my life, my passion. I have other passions, unfortunately, for my sins. I'm an Arsenal supporter and a Shark supporter, so we're going to do pretty much everything on the show as it pertains to media, marketing and money, but we don't take jokes about Arsenal or the Sharks. I'm Doug Mateus, uh, the doc on the show. Uh, and again, for those of you who don't know me, I've uh, spent 30 years in, in uh, various companies in South Africa uh, running uh, different marketing functions. And the last job I had, I was privileged in, uh, enough to work with a team that took uh, the brand to the fastest growing brand in South Africa in 2018 with a 47% year-on-year growth. So that was a, a great achievement uh, for the team and, and, and I'm really proud of that. Uh, from a personal point of view, I do a little bit of cycling uh, and also snow skiing. So we quite enjoy that. But again, uh, today's discussion is around all things marketing and media. Yep, that's right, Doc. All things marketing and media. No subject too big, no topic too small, no subject too hot to handle please get in touch with us on our facebook page follow us like us whatever it takes we would love you to be involved with the show and uh, we really want to make it as inclusive and as energetic as i know this industry is capable of well welcome to uh our listeners uh and guru week again and uh Great to have in the, the studio Strini Naika, who is the VP of Commercial and Content Distribution at Paramount Africa. But before I introduce that, obviously this has been the most extraordinary historic week uh, in terms of uh, developments in the UK. And I guess if you were uh, to invade a foreign country this week, you'd probably get away with it because everybody would be reporting the Queen's demise. Um, and uh, but it's not all bad news. Um, the doc's in London, so uh, he will be uh, giving us a detailed report of uh, of, of the vibe and that in London. But uh, so we're looking forward to that. And uh, but coming back to to Strini, Strini, welcome. It's it's really good to have you. Thanks for making the time in the studio today. Good morning, Gordon. Thank you very much for having me. It's really a pleasure to be here. So you haven't aged. I'm, you're worrying me. I must have to get you dope tested for performance enhancing uh what's what's a collagen or whatever you're looking younger than ever you're obviously relaxed and enjoying the world at the moment absolutely it's a busy body and i think that's what keeps me young yeah fantastic strini I mean, you've had a really rich uh and varied media journey from early days at the sabc to a spell uh, even on the agency side i want to talk a little bit about your learnings there what would you be able to share with listeners how do you balance the, the sales and the marketing and, and the media buying side at the moment into the, the the TV content sector. But just before we get into your, your journey, um, I, I never realized that you, you, you're a corporate banker. You came out of a first-round corporate banking background. What, what do you think of the financial skills? I mean, media is money. What do you think of the f- financial skills in the industry at the moment? Are we up to speed? It's quite an interesting question because, uh, you know, the first few days in, in media was very, very overwhelming for myself. Uh, moving straight after straight out of the international balance sheet, which I was responsible for at First Strand Bank and, and for first place, 
to to media and especially the Koparasi yeah, SABC yeah. was was really a big shock for me. Uh, I made the decision for various reasons when I was called to come and meet with uh, the SABC. Uh, but to answer you directly, uh, there was a lack of financial skills mm. within the mm. media industry, specifically in the broadcast industry when I yeah, got there. Yeah. And I think that's what actually really got me to stand out of the clutter. Yes. Uh, it was really an advantage. And I think it's an advantage for many other individuals that I, I can I can think about right now that actually really sh- sh- shined when they came into the media industry yeah. by having that skill. And it's quite interesting. The other day, I actually had a, call, a chat with a colleague in the industry, and I was explaining the, the whole uh, the whole rationale around a general ledger mm. uh, and a general ledger is generally taught in in basic modules of accounting yes but a general ledger makes you basically think very methodically uh, and I think it's not just about the financial skills that come out of accounting modules or financial modules mm. but mm. it's the methodical nature of how an individual should think yes. and how you apply basically that one principle yeah. to basically any process that you may define, whether it's media or any other industry yeah. for that matter. And then I referred back and I said, are we really driving maybe these modules within our AAAs or our Vegas or or some other you know institution that's related to media? And I don't think we're doing that enough. And we that's aren't. where the issue is. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I, we're 100% on the same page. That's my concern that as more and more finance becomes part of the equation, I'm not seeing evidence of those financial skills being taught in the various modules that are available, and uh, and you know also also just uh, your point about general ledger is is cause and effect. Yeah, if yeah. something happens over here, there's an effect over there. How do you manage that cause and effect? And that's which is the essence of media planning. Everything you do is cause and effect. Absolutely, Gordon. And I, I'll go to another example, and it's been talked about for years right now. We knew that data is going to get larger and larger, yes. and it's affecting us even more. You know, fragmentation is something we shouldn't even talk about because it's there. It's a given. It's, it's, yeah. it's a constant. Yeah. Uh, but getting back to basically data, the way you basically analyze data and interpret data and basically create process flows around data to inform pricing Mm. or basically currency within media has to have some sort of academia that helps you do it. That's why I refer to these finance or simple finance and accounting modules as well. So, I mean, how do you balance, you know, let's talk about your journey now through the SABC, head of revenues, headed up radio sales, TV sales. I mean, you you really, you know, climbed the, the ladder very quickly at a 45 degree angle. How do you balance uh, that sort of general ledger, ticking everything methodically mindset with, you know, your legendary people skills? I mean, you, you've got a, a real knack of talking and communicating with people. How do you, how do you maintain the balance? Firstly, I must say I was very fortunate. So whilst it was a shock for me to enter the, in, enter the industry, and it's been 20 years now, I started on the 1st of November 20, 20, 2003 mm. at the SABC. Uh, it was really a shock, but it was actually beautiful mm. uh, because I could bring these financial skills to an industry, uh, specifically a broadcaster that had clout in the days to actually kind of reshape the industry. Uh, I think it was early days in the sense that I got in too quickly and I never explained myself too well mm. to the industry mm. with mm. all the change that took place at the SABC. Mm. Uh, the amount of innovation that I personally brought in with obviously the teams that were there because it wasn't just my credit, uh, changed ra- the industry radically. We introduced ad splits on yes. the radio with Favre and Metro, which got in a whole lot of radio advertisers to advertise on national stations when they couldn't afford it in 2004. Yep. We, when I got into television as GM, we launched ad splits on television. 
clients that were in radio that couldn't spend on television got in in 2006. Mm -hmm. I can refer to basically Charlie, who was the MD of of the media shop in, in Durban that always uses case study. And he used a client by the name of Nagia Butcheries, which is now big in Johannesburg. Yeah. Did not basically think about evolving their business into the Gauteng area. When mistakenly our team placed their ad on the splits, I think it was Metro 5, I'm not mm, sure, mm. in Gauteng versus the split that they bought in Durban. They got more calls out of Gauteng for their product. Yes. And now they probably have three or four stores here that's that's really kind of dictating the butchery space. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and that's how we reshaped the, the industry in totality, not yes. just in media. Yeah. Uh, but then there, there were also certain initiatives that I drove that I think the industry never understand at that time. And I'll give you a good example about mm. this as well. When we launched the long-term rate card, maybe we went, didn't explain it well in 2007, but it was great for the industry because the SEBC was just constrained by CASA in 2006 March mm, mm. to bring the airtime down from 18 to 12. If we did not go with an initiative like that, we wouldn't have been able to basically accommodate the demand on the public broadcaster that had massive ratings in 2007. Yeah. And it was all these financial elements that helped reshape basically how I thought we'd need to reshape the industry. Yeah. But maybe it wasn't explained well, but there was very good intent, but it was all driven by numbers. Yeah. And ultimately, even in that project, the industry gained because ultimately they could get more agency come out of the relative spend yeah. from their clients. Yeah. And the other broadcasters latched on because now we built the TV industry rather than basically kind of letting it shrink or just not be yeah. able to, co 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 yeah, kind of yeah. Uh, uh, be able to, uh, to, 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 to actually, you know, uh, sorry, I can't find the right no, word. That's fine. Uh, to, to basically accommodate the demand that was expected. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but I think, I think that's a point that uh, we can track back to that time, the growth of television as an industry rather than a couple of, you know, TV channels where you bought spots. I mean, I think it became a broader, more interactive uh, engagement across a lot of things. And, of course, you're talking about Charlie Hale down in Durban, the, world, the world's favorite hairline. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, coming back to that, so, I mean, in those days, really, you were, you were maximizing the commercial value of content. Um, it's, it's much the same thing that you're doing as Paramount, in this, but it's kind of a broader i mean you, you you sort of you, you've got to establish the role of the content first and then maximize the value uh, would that be a fair differentiation is it, is it kind of content plus i think before i even comment on that it's it was really difficult when you move from the public broadcast to commanding yeah. all those ratings and and kind of creating currencies to pay tv yes it was a very diff difficult move in a sense that you don't have the luxury of the double-digit ratings mm. uh, so to your point uh, on the paramount side you know being a global player with established brands but not having too many brands within the the local contents of africa of, of africa versus mm. what we have in, in in the global space uh we had to basically really prove firstly that our content works su such that we could package it for channels on multi-choice right yes, uh, yes and that was just the one piece because within the pay tv space amongst various players right now you have to package your content you sell it off to basically broadcasters or distribution owners like multi-choice or star times and a whole host of other players in africa and thereafter basically you start actually trying try to monetize it from a commercial perspective yeah but you sit with a whole host of more fragmentation right yes. uh, and and tiny tiny ratings so so we play very much in the content space because we've got multiple studios globally uh, as much as eight or nine studios right now from paramount to cbs to to Showtime, to MTV, to BT, and it goes on. 
but we also basically started to acquire assets because we knew over the last few years, years specifically with the migration now into OTT and streaming mm -hmm. that whilst you provide content, you cannot maximize the revenue fully if you do not own the platform. Yeah. And that, that gave rise to basically Paramount changing its name firstly from Viacom CBS yes. to Paramount because it resonates more from a streaming perspective, mm -hmm. but also to many other audiences out in the global space, into products like Paramount Plus yes. and Pluto TV, which is now the fastest growing fast platform in the, in, in, in the globe. Uh, Talk, tell us a little bit about that, that, that Pluto platform and, and, and the growth. Uh, you know, where, where does it fit in? I, I mean, in my limited kind of yeah. global view, it's kind of, it's Netflix and Disney Plus yeah. and Amazon Prime, etc. So, I mean, are, am I comparing apples with apples when you talk Pluto? Apples, but probably different shapes of apples. Okay. And I think that's a better way to put it, right. Right? right? So so now we're migrating a lot out of the linear and the terrestrial space globally. Yes. Not so much in Africa, but it's going there. And I've read many yeah. articles and yeah. people are saying it's going there. Getting into more the streaming space, you could actually look at it in various angles. I, I think we should start with OTT because we tried out OTT in the South African space. Yep. And OTT standing for over the top, yep. which is very much uh, online uh, kind of telco type of products. Uh, so typically, you'd have heard of Vodacom Video Play, mm. which is an OTT service. It's it's through the telco. It's basically content that's actually hosted and actually consumed by individuals that that are customers of Vodacom. Mm. Mm. Uh, moving into the OD space, when I say OD space, we've got all these ODs, video yeah, VODs, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, it starts off with SVOD, which I think South Africans know very well yes. uh, because we actually are not at a saturation point. And I'll explain what I mean just mm. now. So you'd know... S4 as subscription subscription video on demand to be Netflix mm. or Showmax or Disney Plus now or Amazon Prime, yep. which are all services that come to you on demand, so at your convenience, mm -hmm. but you pay a sub. Uh, then you move specific, you move into another space on the video on demand, and that's BVOD and AVOD and Fast. Uh, obviously, BVOD being broadcast video on demand, where yeah. broadcast will package their broadcast will package their content, similar to like an EVOD type of scenario, and actually serve it through multiple distribu distribution points of streaming, whether it's through an OTT or basically other streaming platforms that they create themselves yes. through app-based uh, products to a consumer. Yeah, but it's still on demand, right? Uh, and it's pretty much free in the BVOD and the AVOD space. The AVOD being advertising video on demand. Yeah. But now there's a new product that's coming out. It's not it's not new, it's old in the global sense, but these are called fast products. Now fast products are free ad supported streaming television products. It's the, the difference between an AVOD product and a fast product is really a fast product has two components which is pretty strong. It's got the on-demand side, which is very much AVOD. Yes, advertising yes. video on demand yeah, yeah. but it's also got the free ad supported streaming television side which yeah. stands for fast yeah uh, and that's basically actual channels that's actually broadcast through streaming platforms to consumers that you don't pay for okay. but you have to accept the ads so if we come back to south africa right now a, a typical product will be a view product yes. a view product has some free ad supporting uh, supported streaming television channels but they've also got paid Pluto, on the other side, is a true fast product where there's no pay. Uh, and you basically get access to hundreds of channels, literally by just mm -hmm. going onto an app and playing as long as you've got data or Wi-Fi. Yes, yes. Uh, and then you've also got the on-demand side. Now, from a global sense, the biggest players within fast is Pluto TV, which has over 70 million 
monthly average users right now. Okay. Then there's Tubi TV, which comes very much in line with, mm. with Pluto TV. And then there's Fubo TV. And there's a whole host of others. But none of them are yet in the African space. Okay. And so Pluto is owned by Paramount+. Plus. We bought it seven or eight years ago. And globally right now, we've yeah. got more than a thousand channels in multiple languages that mm. are ready packaged to be launched in South Africa in the next six months. Yeah. So, I mean, I, w- I was just at a, at a function, uh, Magazine Media Breakfast this morning. We were chatting about, you know, sort of technology and advancements. And uh, for me, what's interesting, and I don't know why the in- industry hasn't celebrated more, uh, is, is, is the move to add supported channels from Netflix and Amazon Plus and, 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 uh, and, and Amazon Prime and Disney Plus. Because suddenly we're back in the game of making TV commercials. I mean, it's an extraordinary thing. Um, or am I missing the point? Is this why? Why is there not more noise and dancing in the streets? Uh, suddenly, yeah, maybe maybe it's going to be a programmatic bar. Maybe that's the the downside from the media planner's perspective. How do you see all this thing playing out now? So, I mean, so this is a big constraint right now. Yeah, and the big constraint, and I've seen and I've heard it, and I've spoken about this very widely when I go out to the industry, that. Television audience measurement survey stats and TAMS yeah, specifically yeah. is shrinking, shrinking because mainly there's more consumption out of the, the other the other dimension being gaming and yes. sport and all these other vods that we talk about. Coming back to your point, Gordon, clients are feeling the pain right now because whilst these other platforms are gaining and increasing in terms of size and consumption from the current consumers, mm. they can't place their ads there. Mm. You can't place an ad on Netflix, neither yeah, with Disney+. Yeah, Plus. Yeah. We've also seen basically globally what's happening right now with Netflix's share price. What, a few months ago, just over $600, mm. now sitting at sub $200, mm. uh, mainly due to the fact that players are also actually competing within this space. So mm. Netflix had the luxury years ago to buy from Fox Studios or Paramount Studios or yeah. Peacock through Comcast. Uh, but now they've all pulled back their contracts and they also limited to basically the content they can provide. But getting back to what I'm saying, these guys cannot offer you the ad space, but they are going to start offering you the ad space very soon yeah. on possibly a hybrid model yes. where you'll have no ads and then obviously a hybrid, which is a lesser price in terms of the sub. Yeah. Uh, so that may actually basically help in terms of the ads that are being created, mm. but right now they can't place the ads. So we need more AVOD and, and S, sorry, AVOD and fast players as yeah. well, yeah. whilst the streaming consumption is increasing. We've done a survey very recently where we basically tested against, I think it was 175 streamers. So if the first question, if you don't have access to streaming, you can't continue. Mm. And we actually looked at the consumption of linear TV in its, in its you know, legacy historic sense versus yes. streaming TV. Yeah. And if I can recall right now, weekends, weekends of a 48-hour weekend, you were looking at around about... 17 16 or 17 hours of video content being consumed of which nine versus eight i think or was it nine versus seven nine mm. being streaming yeah and the rest being linear in the historic yeah. sense yeah. Yeah. was being consumed mm. so it goes to show that people are consuming more and more content right yeah. maybe it's binge watching maybe it was COVID, but they still continue to do that uh, but if it's only going to be on s4 platforms marketers are going to have a problem yeah. is how do you basically get there now, if you go into fast and AVOD platforms, which is very interesting, it's yeah. not just about the GRP. Obviously, it's now based on CPM and impression. Yes. And watch times, which is obviously equivalent to a TSL on radio or ATS on TV. Mm. Uh, those are some of the currencies they need to monitor. But to break out of the clutter, 
you need to look at channel takeovers. You need to look at basically you know, your 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 your, uh, your pre rolls basically before program starts. Yes. So you kind of get the attention of basically the consumer once again. But the whole shaping of how individuals and marketers and planners mm. and agencies think needs to change even further yeah. than basically how we see it right now. That's an interesting thought because I mean, if I think about it from a media planner's perspective, one tended to be looking at either you bought a spot or you, you, you bought into a space, a program space and try to earn that space. But you're actually saying you can go beyond that now and talk about actually earning a, 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 an entire channel space or, or dominating a channel space rather than a program space. Absolutely, Gordon. And it's like, you know, I said it earlier, forget about complaining about fragmentation right now. It's yeah. getting, it's going to get even worse, yeah. probably 10 or 15, 20 times worse in yeah. the next year or so with these new entrants coming in the market. Yeah. So you will be, it will be more fragmented, but think of all the other opportunities of actually kind of getting that attention span through exactly yeah. that. Uh, and I think these new players coming in are much more open to actually bring in these elements of either, you know, sponsorable elements to, you know, customized elements yes. versus some of the players that we have currently in our yeah. market that are very resistant to that, specifically broadcasters, because they think it's going to affect the editorial, right? Yeah. But these new players don't think that. You're listening to The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media. So, I mean, th there seems to be so much of a negative narrative uh, in the industry press, you know, uh, in terms of the traditional role of advertising agencies. But all of this, for me, signals whether you're making TV commercials and producing TV commercials or whether you're producing local content, it all sounds like good news. Or am I missing the point? I mean, for local content production, whether it's commercial content or viewing content, it's got to be good news for everybody. It's good news, but it's, it's also important that some of the marketers note that it has to be short. Yeah. So it's no longer the days where you think of a 60-second ad. Oh, yeah. yeah. It has to be short. So that's what's important, especially with this increased a number of distributors or content mm. providers that's coming. So that's number one. The second piece that's very important to note, this is a new space that's coming in. And I think the analytics are not going to be as advanced if you're comparing it to a television. You're mm. not going to be able to actually kind of target specific demographics if it's not supported by certain data managed platforms, yes. DMPs, and, so, and yeah, so forth yeah. as well. So those are some of the constraints that will come in. Yeah. However, you need to basically get to eyeballs to basically expose your product. Yeah. Uh, and I think they need to start tolerating that when it, in the initial days. But I think the analytics will improve. Yeah. Uh, and that's 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 also something that marketers should basically... Yeah, look, I mean, they have to improve. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you mentioned earlier that the, you know, the shift to CPM and, and impressions, um, and, and that's very much the case, particularly from procurement perspective. But if one looks, and you said, you know, it's not about the GRPs anymore, but reach and frequency are still critical. You know, you need to compute the total reach of your campaign, whether it's BVOD, you know, AVOD, SVOD, whatever, you you need to know how many people you've reached, and there, and you need to know how many, how often you've reached them. I mean, that that goes without saying. So, I mean, how should planners balance this 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 art? This because uh, we've still got a bit of a cherry picking mindset, which is not a bad thing if I want to own a channel or a space. How do I balance that art with CPMs? I mean. Where does programmatic fit in, into this equation going forward? And how do I, as a young planner, find a space for myself? So I, I'm used to doing it with a piece of string and a ruler. There was a rate car and there was an audience and I connected the dots. Now programmatic will do that faster, better, more accurately and cheaper. 
so where do I fit in as, as a media planner into this equation? What do I need to do to up my game? So the media mix is always very important. I think you can't isolate any media product in in, in the various spaces, whether it be a TV, radio, outdoor, uh, digital, and so forth. Uh, so the media mix is very important for the mm, strategists mm, to basically mm. understand in terms of how they want to get out there, whether it's through non-traditional types of products or traditional products. I think there was an extreme and a basically a panic somewhat. My, that's my personal view in South Africa, where everybody saw these digital products coming in and 50, 60% of some of the budgets has been just migrated into that. Yes. However, it was very limited in what they could buy. And I, I said this very openly in a roadshow I conducted a few months ago where I said, if you're going to be playing in the exchange right now in the programmatic space and you know, you're utilizing mm. DV360 or Trade, Trade Desk or whatever, mm. how many publishers are in there that's of relevance into the South African market yes. right now? And I tell you what, Gordon, there are ones of substance, but they the, the international product, right? So it's your YouTubes of the world, your yes. Googles of the world, yes. your Facebooks and so, and so forth. But there's very limited ones that actually kind of really localize to your point that you make as mm. well. Mm. Uh, but in addition to that, they, the, 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 the programmatic basically ROI or currency they're deriving is only coming from two or three mm. in terms of what I've yes. mentioned. Yes. Uh, and, and, and you can't shift 50 or 60% of your budget to two or three, no. noting the fact that you've got all these other local broadcasters or media mixes, radio, TV, outdoor, whatever, yeah. that you're isolating. So to your point, reach is extremely important. You can get programmatic to get all these millions of impressions, but I think the, the segmentation of the budget is something that I think created paranoia and shifted yes. lots of money into digital uh, by basically just you know kind of utilizing the buzzwords or global articles mm. that state that digital is the future, yeah. and people just migrated. Uh, I think planners, agencies, marketers need to rethink about how we shift that spend as these new players come in, yeah. but be cautious that it may be basically just five seconds and maybe two seconds that an individual is basically kind of consuming the ad on these digital products. Uh, I mean, think about it. I, I play a bit of gaming on my phone uh, every so many yeah, minutes in, in a week. Mm. Uh, and I need to basically get to an, the next stage, right, of a game. So I need to watch an ad. I may watch the ad, right? Or I may just take the ad and leave my phone on, on the side, mm. right, and let the ad play mm. because I know it's 30 seconds later. You know, those are all the questions you need to ask as a market and an agency. How, yeah. how valuable is that ROI? You may be getting the impression, you may be serving your ad, but then there's other reliable media mixes within mm. our local context that you can be definite or sure about yeah. that you can get ROI from. So, you know, coming back to the magazine Media Breakfast that, that I attended this morning, I mean, the topic was our market is terrified of technology. And one of the points which was raised um, in, in that discussion this morning was test and learn. You know, if you're going to move stuff around, test the outcomes, look at the ROI. But I mean, if I'm, if I'm understanding you, and it's good news for planners, you're moving upstream. You've got to become more of a, of a marketing advertising person who understands the big picture. Implementation and programmatic will remain something. But as long as you're moving upstream into the, into the big dis, uh, discussion around allocation of budgets, strategic outcomes, measuring impressions against outcomes that's the space we have to learn to get back into yeah and i tell you what to support what you're saying right now and we're not we're not close to it we're getting there we're getting there yeah. quite quick with fiber being rolled on and stuff as well yes the ctv the connected television smart yes. tv yes right has not got enough consumption taking place through it yes because we we know that 
TV and digital, as an example, works very well together. Yes. But how do you get that common currency across? When fiber is rolled out and when we convert to the digital migration, CTV mm. will basically play a very big space yeah. combined with mobile through obviously your your streaming choices yeah. as a consumer. And then you can actually cross-currency them as well. But as you said, trial and test as you move along. Yeah. Don't go extreme because sometimes you may go extreme and you're going to change your strategy very quick yeah. if you don't understand the product well, especially that we don't have very sophisticated currencies like what we have in radio and TV in this country yeah. Yeah. on digital right now. Yeah. Because you can't go and break that demo on further it's hard that's such an interesting thought that because i think there's there's a narrative which says that you know old audiences are lack granularity and in fact it's it's the reverse very often uh, you know that it is the old measurements that had a lot of granularity at a at a demographic and psychographic level uh, anyway and coming back to the incremental reach issue because that's what it's all about if you look at the Ehrenberg bass thinking incremental reach is the big thing so in the old days incremental reach would have been sabc1 during the morning sabc1 during the afternoon and then i put one in at night and that'll give me incremental reach but now you've got to go beyond that so you're going to build incremental reach by going beyond the the three big players you mentioned mm -hmm. and start looking at some of the smaller players who are going to give you incremental reach in different areas, whether they're demographic, whether they're geographic, whether they're cultural, uh, whether they're behavioral. I mean, you've, you've got to, you've got to sp spread it around a bit. Yeah. The biggest issue we got, there's two issues we got there that I could refer to right now. The one is, I think when agencies basically got, saw this digital spin, just kind of hockey yeah. stick effect rising, they separated their teams, right? Oh uh, and, and you've got a digital agency and a, and a you know, traditional agency yep. in this, under the same roof, but working separately. Yep. And that doesn't help. Uh, because I mean, you need to find that cross barrier, the cro you know, crossover of the barrier to basically work together to yeah. get that incremental reach. If you're saying that digital mediums are just skyrocketing Correct. with this with this, uh, this hockey stick effect uh, yeah. type of scenario, that's the one issue. Then you got the other issue. This is my view again. We've got industry bodies that need to basically elevate their game. So if you're looking at the BRC right now, mm -hmm. which is responsible somewhat for TV and radio. Mm. I mean, we couldn't, can't even get future-proofing right. Yes. And that's an issue for me personally right now. Yeah. Uh, because ultimately, if those bodies do not drive the best practice, yeah. everybody's sitting in limbo. Uh, who yeah. do they look out to to basically even get the traditional stuff right? Now we've got all these digital products yeah. coming in through Fast and Avord and Bvord mm, and Svord. Mm, mm. That's going to need a currency, but you may get one agency, and I'm not picking on any names, versus another agency mm buying for the same client, sorry, for the different clients in the same industry, mm. a different methodology. Yeah. Who's trying to help basically kind of reshape yeah. at least basically 50, 60% of that methodology mm. that they should be applying at the same time before they bring in their uniqueness, right? Yeah. So, so that's another issue as well. So getting back to your point, how do we get that incremental reach? It's going to be tough. Yeah, it's very tough. No, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, 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 you know, incremental reach is a wonderful concept mm. in, in theory, in practice. It's also very, very expensive. So it's kind of a double edged you know, sword in the sense that uh, you, you want incremental reach, which is expensive. But in order to get incremental reach, you're buying smaller, more niched audiences, you know, um, which are even more expensive. But the procurement guys are looking for you know, a reduction in the CPM. But it's also duplication, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, you could be buying a different media type. Yep. You're not sure if you're reaching the same eyeball, yeah. the same ear or yeah. whatever as well. Yeah. Uh, and that's where these bodies need to come up with basically cross-currencies. That's informed by some sort of yeah. researcher. Yeah. So talking about innovation, let's, you know, we're getting sort of close to, to wrap up time. Um, 
Paramount, obviously, part of a, a global network, which must be fascinating. But I think new developments that I've just be, sort of become aware of, uh, local partnerships, Paramount and Prime Media partnerships in that space, um, very interesting and very positive. To, can you share a little bit about that? Is that on the table for in the public domain, so to speak? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's in the public domain. Uh, it's a very good partnership that Prime Media and Paramount has basically set out to actually achieve. Uh, there's, there's various points of, 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 of uh, similarity whilst mm. they play in different mm, spaces mm. to create basically more consolidation within the industry. Yes. Uh, but obviously not consolidation from a, from a, from a, from a business perspective, but through by basically cross-synergizing products. So we just talked about it right now, and how do you get that incremental mm. reach? Mm. But you've got different broadcasters that's basically selling different products. Yeah. And I think it's about bringing in the video content space into the radio space, the outdoor space, and the amazing work that even Prime Media is doing on the retail space that can give you an omni type of currency yeah. or omni type of product. Yeah. Uh, and that's what they're trying to achieve, uh, which I think is great. Uh, there's also brands within the Prime Media stable that are fantastic brands that have not been exposed from a video content perspective like like EWN. Yeah. EWN is an amazing brand that basically provides great news of you know, integrity and quality to basically the South African audience. Uh, taking that to a video space yes. would just basically make perfect sense. Elevate, yeah. uh, and you basically leverage the expertise of a video content player to do that as well. Uh, there's some great international formats which has been exposed through PrimeX uh, a week or two ago uh, on the Prime Media space uh, that obviously will play in the TV space as well through distribution like the Mars Singer mm. or Deal or No mm. Deal. Yes. Uh, and I think broadcasters ramping up their games outside of their comfort zones is important right now for consolidation and also basically make life easier for the market sale or the agency. Yeah, and yeah. I think this partnership is trying to achieve that. So that's an interesting phrase, ramping up your game. And I think that's what I'm looking for, you know, is, is the positive view in that you could see there's a threat or you can ramp up your game. So in, in short, as we wrap up the series here uh, today, um, what advice would you have for, especially for agency people who are on, on the other side of the desk from you, how, what are the two or three things I need to do to ramp up my game in order to anticipate a more open-ended partnership, a more varied partnership, a different financial model, maybe even a shared upside? Just a few things on, on how I should uh, ramp up my game on the, on the media agency side. Okay, there's a lot to say, but I'm going to be very like high level. I think we, we touched on a very key point earlier. I think the financial analytical skills are very important for newcomers mm, to mm. the agency world to be... Uh, familiar with but have that that experience through obviously academia or other work uh, and I use the GL kind of example there and that's important because it's not just about media it's about what you get out of that financial basic qualification that can take you a long way the second thing is I think don't look at options in isolation uh, I think many many individuals and I'm not I don't want to generalize here mm. look at basically one option in that medium mix space to the other option another medium mix space and they're not pulling them together or forcing them the two players to actually kind of think about how they actually work between let's say radio and TV or radio and outdoor or retail and outdoor mm. or whatever so I think they need to push the game for broadcasters to basically synergize between competing products. Uh, because that's how you're going to get the value yes. and get your brands to stand out, basically, instead of just buying the normal, you know, the normal traditional vanilla product. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. everybody talks about how do I break out of the clutter, right, for my clients. Mm. But you're not actually engaging with basically the, the media owners to basically push them to actually kind of define that for you. 
they're just defining a product that's very much biased to their product. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you'll never stand out then if you're asking it as an agency. So that's another area as well. I think, uh, you know, whilst the analytics are very important, uh, start exploring this new fast streaming digital space. Yes. It's not just about the social media we have right now. And as I mentioned earlier, it's limited products. Think about the bigger picture that's coming. Read, yeah. read, read all the global trends. While, whilst these global players will come into market, they'll have to start localizing themselves. They yes. will be regulated through some bodies, right? Mm. But when they come in right now and they're coming into these you know, global international content and, 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 and not so much localized, they are going to basically get the attention of a lot of consumers because we play in a local space. People are aware, South Africans are aware of what's out there. Yeah. Uh, and if you're not considering it whilst they enter the market, fragmentation, as I said, don't use the word, but I'm using it now, will be basically... 20, 30, 40 times worse than what we yeah, see it right yeah. now. Fantastic advice. I mean, I think ultimately you've, you've brought the, the, the discussion back to the key point. Find out what's going on. Look at it from the consumer's perspective. The consumers will actually define the strategy for you. You don't have to intuit in your head. Just examine the consumer's behavior pattern, see what they're viewing, and plug into that. So, Strini, thanks. I mean, a really great discussion. I really enjoyed it. Thank you for, for making the time. And, uh, yeah, we, we're looking forward to uh, some of these new developments uh, taking place. Thanks, Gordon. Thank you very much. Have a lovely day. Thank you. Yeah, great. And to all the listeners out there, thanks for joining us. And again, uh, we look forward to uh, some feedback from the doc in London. Um, a tough week if you're uh, a royalist out there. Uh, but it's, as I said, not all bad news. I mean, the Blitzbocker beat Chile at the World Cup in Cape Town. Well done, Boga. Ciao for now. And so that was another episode of The Doc and the Guru. Please don't uh, forget to get hold of us on Facebook. Like us, follow us, uh, subscribe to the podcast. And then from my side, you can get hold of me on LinkedIn, Dr. Doug Mataz. I'm uh, very active and very keen to hear about your views uh, and certainly will respond. And hopefully we can bring that into the show. Thanks, Doc. And it's uh, Gordon Miller, the Guru, signing off. Thank you for being with us and listening into this podcast today. You can pick up the discussion with me on my Twitter handle, at Mzanzi Media. And I'd love to engage with you on any of the issues that we've taken on in the show. And take us at our word. This is really going to be an open forum. There are no subjects that are taboo. And we'd love to have some of the younger, more under-listened, if that's the correct phrase, uh, voices to join us uh, in this discussion. Thanks for your time. The Dark and the Guru, proudly brought to you by Infinity Media, incubating innovative businesses in the media industry.